Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of joys, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy. On for this mighty fine conversation today is Ben Walker, the director of Inspire Accounting, author of three books that I know of. There's probably more and about and more coming, and also the director of an award-winning business. You just snuck them in there as well. Welcome, Ben. Thanks very much, Kathy. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, good to have you. Tell us a little bit about Inspire Accounting. Like if I walked in the door and who would I see and who are your people and what do you get up to? <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, I started uh, Inspire about 11 years ago um, now, which, is, yeah, that, that time's flown. Um, and we're, a, we're an accounting firm that looks after small businesses around Australia. So that's our sort of um, geographical limitation there. Uh, we're based in Brisbane and we're a fairly young team. Uh, so our, our average age would be in the, the 30s or the low 30s, I guess. Um, and uh, I, I feel like we, we bring an energy to accounting that um, you don't normally see, uh, where the average age of a partner might be in their late 50s or 60s. Um, it definitely isn't. Uh, that, that's not sort of what we take into um, when, when I sort of dreamt of what Inspire will be. So, um, yeah, that's a bit of a brief overview. And, and I guess when I built Inspire, I wanted to make sure that the client was at the center of that. So what do they care about in terms of what's their focus rather than such a, a big focus on the accounting firm itself? So, yeah, and, and I can maybe share a bit more on that. We'll talk about the, the dinosaur style accounting. Uh, we, will, <laughs> we will talk about the dinosaurs. Hmm. What were your main drivers from stepping out of one of the big four accounting firms and going out on your own is the language we use it in Allied Health? What what was in your mind then? Way yeah. back then, 11 years ago. Yeah. So um, so I spent the first three and a half years of my career at a big four, so corporate. Um, I I actually changed, so I didn't go straight from there out on my own, but um, but I went to a suburban firm. And the reason I left was just culture and corporate-y things. Um, and, and so I just didn't gel with it, couldn't see myself there long term. I had, I had to wear a tie and suit? No, no. I actually had to, there was a there was a more interesting dress code at Target when I worked there um, than there was at KPMG. But uh, yeah, we couldn't come in looking scrappy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I went to this suburban firm and um, I, I was sort of brought into a lot more client meetings. And the thing I noticed was that um, you know the clients would come in looking stressed, anxious, tight, uh, and and the um, you know, I'd have a meeting with my boss or the, the guy I worked for, um, you know, and he, he'd explain these financial concepts uh, in a simple way that business owners understood and they'd walk out looking, you know, 
calm and, and comfortable and and at a little bit more peace of mind than when they walked in. And so I almost became addicted to that and uh, and and loved seeing that effect that we could have. Um, and a couple of years uh, of working with him, I saw him grow his business quite rapidly there. Um, things like Zero uh, with an X were, were coming out at that time. This was sort of 2012, 2013 time. Uh, and um, and I sort of wanted to adapt these technology things. I was 22, 23 at the time, so quite young. And um, and I thought to myself, you know, maybe maybe it is best to just have a crack uh, while I'm young to see what it's like, uh, you know, putting a business together, you know, scrapping the timesheets, which is definitely not what I experienced at either of those two firms. We were tracking time, billing by the hour. And I thought to myself, what does that have? Yeah. Yuck. What, 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 what link does that have to value? Um, you know, where we might save a client a hundred grand. Um, yeah, it just, it just doesn't make much sense to me. Um, so yeah. And I, um, over one Christmas, it would have been Christmas 2012, um had a bit of a finding myself moment of where do I want to go from here and, and then I thought yep let's uh let's do it and so I resigned the first day back um and then a few weeks later I was running Inspire and what um, what did you really set out to do differently with Inspire um so so yeah really look sorry um using technology as I feel it should be like there's one clear thing you know most accounting firms were server based you know, I've still got a mate who I catch up with every now and again on the phone in Adelaide, and his his firm uses this server based technology still. You know, eleven years after I I dropped it, um, and it takes twenty minutes to log in. You know, who are we billing for that? Um, you know, so technology is one of them. How we deal with our clients is another. Like once we take away the hourly rate, the client's not scared to call because they're not going to receive a bill for every six minutes. Uh, you're going to encourage relationship. And what I found quite quickly is that um, my clients were, you know, there's this blurry line between client and friend. Um, and, and for instance, one of them within about a year was actually a groomsman at my wedding. We became that that good mates. So um, yeah, I feel like it just opens up the channel of um of communication and relationship, which I feel what is what an accountant should be in your corner. They know your family. Um, they're able to advise quite quickly on on stuff to help you as a business owner um, lead and, and keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah, and accessible and quick and responsive. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. I um, I remember um, in in my that was so significant to me that um, I ended up having that on our homepage for the first year or so in business. Um, we we had a a service desk called Zendesk. It's a software that just manages tickets. Uh, all our clients would email through that. And our our response time in hours was actually on our front page of our website. Um, that it was that significant to us, and it's something that my EA to this day keeps posting in our Slack channel in general every morning, saying, "Here's our overall response time." It's that that's how precious it is. What is it? What can you can you tell us? It's uh, so our target is 24 hour response, uh, yeah. but it's about depends on the you know we've just come back from holidays, but it's in the 30s at the moment. So. Um, yeah, that's our one. That's neat. That's neat. Mm. Even have a goal and a commitment around it wins, hey? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But see, that that's a really key, important thing to clients and um, and why not make that such a critical number in our own business rather than if we, if we go to old school accounting, hey, you've got to charge seven hours out of your seven and a half hour day to a client. That's That's the person's focus. 
and inspire its response time. It's what value are we adding? Are we saving people tax? What's this structure implementation going to do for the client? And like, you know, and, and the numbers sometimes in the hundreds of thousands of dollars from certain projects that we do. If I was describing you and your business to somebody else, I would add a couple of other features. I don't know. Do you want to hear them? <laughs> other things that yeah. I think that I pair with you. And first one mm. is your commitment to B1G1 and creating mm. a bigger impact. Um, let's just get B1G1 on the show notes mm. here. How do you support programs like that? Yeah, so, um, so I met Paul Dunn back in, it would have been 2013. <laughs> probably about and, when I met him. We are probably at the same thing, I think. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I was just sitting, it's just such an obvious thing, but I was sitting in the room and he was talking about people not having access to water. Um, uh, but but before he got there, he said, well, you know, who likes coffee? And my hand went up. Like straight up. My, my first office was straight above a cafe. So I was down there most of the day probably. Um, and, you know, who would get cranky if they didn't have coffee by 10 a.m.? And I went, hand straight up. Uh, and then what if that was water? And I just I just went quiet and I went, wow. actually oh, went quiet. Yeah. <laughs> See. Yeah, and uh, and it just made me realise how fortunate we are, and how um, you know through this through the power of B one G one we can give these micro giving impacts. So we've um, we've done a few different things over the years, but now it's um, it's sort of a surprise th- thing we add to when a client comes on board. Um, we actually let them choose a couple of different projects of what they'd like to give to. So, yeah. you know how many impacts you've contributed? Um, I think it's close or. Or around about the ten million impacts. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a lot of water and shoes mm. and schools and meals and yeah, education. I think is a big part of that too. Yeah, we support them as well in similar ways with little moments of surprise and delight. And our team uh, takes some time to choose the projects that we're going to invest in, um, across the year. So Mm. huge fan of B1, B1, G1. The other thing that I think of when, um, I think of you and Inspire is that family is everything. Mm -hmm. And just as you put the customers in the middle of it, you make it very clear from the get-go that you serve small businesses and small business owners and that family is very much part of their life role, isn't it? And the role that business has in supporting family. Um, mm. I don't think I'm too far off the mark with that. One hundred percent. Yeah, spot on. And um, and this was even apparent to me back at KPMG. Uh, one of the partners I, I sort of referred to as the cool one uh, that of the eight that I worked for. Um, I was catching up with him for a, a bike ride with a few other um, team. Well, that was the plan, um, and he cancelled that. But you know, he cancelled because something happened in the family, and he, and he prioritised that. And I am um, as small as that sounds. I massively respected him for that. Uh, where I'd see some of the other partners there till eleven pm at night. You know, they've got kids. It's just this balance is just out of whack. So um, yeah, it was something I prioritised for myself uh, from really early days and before Inspire existed. Um, and yeah, just to see how much you can help. You know, a, a young family because and and I guess earlier in Inspire. 
the demographic of our clients was you know young family they had maybe one or two children um, single digit ages uh with with a business that might have also been single digit ages as well uh, and so to see some of those families grow up over time and and how we've, we've been able to add value to their lives that's been um, super fulfilling there's a bit of a mindset piece with business owners as well around mm. this and i and i mean this in the in the context of are they running the business or is the business running them? Mm-hmm. Um, we all yeah. know what that feels like, what both sides of that feels like. But there's also a piece about this thinking that the business is, is as a business owner um, is how you use the profit from your business to create mm-hmm. wealth and to support the lifestyle as well. And sometimes I, I find there's a bit of a disconnect. The profit is profit and belongs to the business and that's it. You either live take some out or reinvest it but rather than a a wealth generating strategy on the profit mm, yes yep absolutely um and and so yeah so our approach to that would be and it's sort of like a hierarchy of needs the, the first one is to make sure your tax is sorted because um, if your tax isn't sorted if you've got debt then trying to focus on wealth creation you just i don't think you're going to have the frame of mind required so, so that's sort of step one. Um, step two is um, we want to be growing the business's profit or what it what it produces for your family beyond your needs, um, and and that means like you know a relatively comfortable life, not not too crazy, you know, not not going and buying a Lambo. <laughs> that's it. Um, uh, but then then beyond that point, the the excess of that. We want to be making sure we're paying down debt or, you know, investing in wealth creating assets, um, you know, that sort of thing and taking chips off the table because a lot of people, a lot of business owners think, Hey, my, my biggest asset is my business and they reinvest, reinvest, reinvest. And, 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 you know, unfortunately for some, and I've seen this, especially with, um, RTOs when they change the legislation. This is probably seven or eight years ago. Um, or we had COVID where there's certain industries that got really decimated, the biggest asset just got wiped out through external factors. Um, you know, unfortunately, nothing nothing on their own um, decision-making. It's it's these external factors that just wipe that out. But where we've got business owners who, let's say, over a 10-year period are allocating, you know, taking a certain amount out um, to invest in assets, uh, then that's a much more stable uh, approach. Yeah, long-term, long-term. Mm. We uh, spoke a couple of minutes back about dinosaur accountants. Who are those folk? <laughs> yeah, I've known a couple. Haven't known any any recently though. Yeah, yep. Yeah. That's um, that's a good outcome. <laughs> we spoke. Uh-huh. About, you you actually love your accountant, which I thought was. I love my accountant. Yeah, <laughs> he's one of um, my favorite. One of my favorite humans. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I've hinted on a couple of those things, things like charging by the hour is a sign that your accountant's a dinosaur, uh, the technology that they use, if they don't interact with you well, um, you know, they're still sending you physical mail, um, you know, potentially even they're not taking advantage of um, e-signatures, which have been around for a, a long time now. Um, there, there are a couple of keys. Um, another story I had was th- this this is a client who came on board maybe about seven or eight years ago now his name's bob um he doesn't mind me sharing but um but he came on board because he got a surprise bill and how it worked was his accountant invited him to lunch this is actually what happened invited him to lunch um hey bob how you going yeah good and and for you know half the lunchtime they were talking about family and catch-ups 
And then he sort of asked, asked a couple of questions about the business. You know, how are you going with this? How are you going with that? Um, anyway, he got back. They each got back to their office, um, and Bob got a, an invoice for the lunch. Um, so, so yeah, he uh, he sort of he, he sort of thought to himself, "Hang on, I was invited to lunch. I wasn't told I was going to get billed for this. Most of the conversation was not um, anything to do with business. It was more about just catching up as what I thought was mates." Uh, and so, um, yeah, he proceeded to quickly look for a different accountant. Um, but yeah, the surprise bills, um, and, and surprise bills doesn't necessarily just mean from the firm. That could also mean surprise tax bills as well. So, uh, you know, we've, we've had clients saying, you know, I've basically got no visibility on tax. Bang. There's a bass that I, I didn't know was coming. I feel like there's less excuse for that because bass is pretty regular, but you know, Hey, there's a, there's a big bill I was not expecting and it's due tomorrow. I only got the notice today. Um, that's pretty unacceptable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and even things like tax planning, uh, if, if not all accountants do it though, but um, but the good ones uh, will actually forecast what your bill will be, uh, and that can be even up to eighteen months away, pretty clearly, uh, potentially even further than that as an estimate. Yeah. Back to the accessibility uh, to be meeting with your accountant, you know, second week of June for a bit of tax planning, and that's about it. Maybe popping in for some signatures in October. That, in my mind, is not good enough as a business mm. owner. <laughs> it's leaving a lot of, well, I think it's creating a lot of stress. I think a lot of stress comes from not knowing yes. your financial and your tax position as well. But many, many accountants know so much more, but for some reason are reluctant to kind of contribute and to get into conversation and to hear the latest plans and the update and all the rest of it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I feel like, you know, even, even talking to other accountants in the industry, it is a bit of a tricky thing. Um, you know, we're, we're so focused on technical stuff that often we forget about that there's a relationship and a, and a person behind the client and, and these set of tax returns and financials we're doing. So, um, you know, I'm not trying to excuse it because there are accountants who do that very well. Um, but, but yeah, I think the, the focus sometimes becomes technical rather than relational. Um, uh, and and yeah, like like I feel like the once a year, maybe twice a year accountant definitely isn't going to support a business owner well. Um, just to sort of share how how we would do things, um, we, we've got a, a subscription, a tax and accounting subscription for the year that uh, that we put our clients on, um, and that includes three proactive meetings. So there is a tax delivery meeting where we do the basically the annual tax returns. Uh, we call it an AGM. Uh, we do tax planning, which is it's not. Two weeks into June, that is way too late. Um, but it was it, we we do it April, May, June. There's a whole process behind that, um, and there's definitely a heads up of of stuff that needs to be done before 30 June. And then the last one is goal setting. We're actually looking into the future, making sure that advice we we give um, and we incorporate uh, is actually relevant moving forward. That's the proactive stuff. But then there's also reactive stuff because there, there's stuff that comes up that we're not going to know what's going on in our clients' lives. Hey, I want to buy this property. Hey, I've got a, an offer to sell my business. You know, there's this sort of stuff that comes up, but we include uh, quick telephone calls and emails. They're, they're part of the subscription. Um, you know, if a client needs a, a, an advice meeting or, you know, a an SMSF circumstance, stuff. yeah, yeah. I mean that that that's not obviously included. That's sort of out of scope of the, the purposes. But that quick guidance, that in a reactive sense, um, you know, hey, I'm going to buy a car. What what entity do I buy it in? That's the best outcome for tax. Um, that's that's the sort of stuff that's included as part of working with someone. 
In the allied health business world, it's harder than you think to stay on top of everything you need to do to run a business whilst being fully present for your team and clients. If you struggle with this, you're not alone. Pretty much everybody feels this way. Some days you feel like you're crossing a decent task off just to be reminded that you then have three new tasks to take at their place. The to-do list feels like it never ends. It can be overwhelming doing it all on your own and that is why we took it upon ourselves to reach out to help you out. We have created our monthly masterclasses so that you can join and connect with others, learn bite-sized business skills, and best of all, walk away from our masterclass with tasks ticked off your list. We can guarantee that each session will provide you with at the very least five gems that you can take and put into action right there and then. And trust us, as soon as you hop off our short and sweet session, you will want to take immediate action because that is the effect that Kathy Love and these masterclasses have. Each masterclass tackles a topic that has been niggling in the back of your mind and has moved further and further down your list. However, the sooner you nip this in the bud, the sooner you will free up your time and see the results in your business. Ready to nip your business woes in the bud and start taking practical action to maximize your results this year? Join one of our monthly masterclasses today. I do wonder whether accountants underestimate the role that they have as educators. Mm -hmm. (laughs) in what you just said we heard the words tax loan entity can't remember the other things but you get the gist Um, because it's accounting has its own secret language right and there's all these other concepts and we we didn't all go to accounting school um to get this so Mm. I think it's important that a, a good accountant demystifies that yep yeah, absolutely. And, and education is a huge part of what we do. That's actually my primary role here is to um, educate maybe a team, but also our, our clients uh, and, and the marketplace. So, um, you know, that, that looks like writing books, which um, we'll get a copy of. Totally going there right now, Ben. <laughs> yeah. You can go there first if you like. Yeah. So pu- publishing books, uh, we we do a lot of webinars on different topics. Um, you know, there's there's tax there's the wealth creation stuff there's asset protection all sorts of different topics there uh and uh, and then workshops so um even right back in the early years of inspire i was hosting um you know just educational stuff whether it was in person or on i went one i went to one in melbourne mm. yes there you go <laughs> yep and uh, and the the feedback we had for especially the we, we did a save tax workshop for a lot of years mm-hmm. uh, the feedback we got from that uh from even experienced business owners was I learned more in two hours than I've ever learned from any accountant in the last X amount of years. That was actually a really common bit of feedback. And I was gobsmacked because it, yeah. I mean, for, for us, it, it wasn't necessarily rocket science, but we were laying it out in, I feel, relatively uh, simple ways so that business owners can actually understand how it impacts them. I love that workshop and I'm having flashbacks and I could reach and find it, that amazing big fold out poster that the you had yeah still got it, still got it. <laughs> awesome so in your spare time you're an mm. author and um i've got three books here cashed up was the first one when was that i reckon that would have been about 2016 yeah looks like the front of the book 2018 hmm. oh <laughs> yeah geez that felt like longer and then more recently uh wealth for life in 2022 and then last year it's all sorted the end of last year yeah do you enjoy writing um 
I don't know whether it's sort of a love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> I I don't mind it for the first 80%. It's just that last 20%, the editing, reading your own words oh, again, yeah. I sort of st- start to just yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> why, do you, why do you do it then? Um, oh, it's super helpful. Um, yeah. so, so the ability to, uh, you know, like let's, let's say you're on the phone to a prospective client, they've got struggles with their accountant around, let's say, structuring or they've talked about an SMSF or even like taking loans from companies is one of those annoying subjects. Uh, and, and while I'm on the phone, I've got post-it notes and I'm literally physically putting in post-it notes to the chapters that are relevant for the issues they've got. Uh, and then I'll bung that in the mail and, and send it to them. And, and it just... Yeah, without me having to spend the next hour talking through those issues, it sort of gives them a bit of a guide um, to to what they're faced with and how to overcome it. <laughs> yep. These, um, so I've had cashed up for a couple of years, as you know, and wealth for life, and it's all sorted. I love them, absolutely mm-hmm. love them. I love them because they're in color. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever said that. Color just makes such a difference. Mm. But you are very, very clever at writing in plain English mm. and patiently describing things and uh, categorising. So both of these books are sort of based on frameworks, right, and it just makes it so easy to work to work through them. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and no, I, um, I, I did appreciate that. And, like, Wealth for Life, for instance. Um, let's talk about that one first. I'll hold it yeah. up and you can talk. Yes. And what's in it? Yeah, so, so that's um, basically uh, sort of over the years I've sort of noticed what um, certain clients do to create wealth. Um, you know, I guess our top 10% of our wealthiest clients all had quite similar things that were going on. Um, and I uh, sort of basically wrote a book on on the nine steps that I feel that they took um, to to help them. Um, so, you know, things like having the foundations in place, uh, you know, knowing what their targets are, how much they spend a year, um, you know, having controls on on their personal finances because I think the focus sometimes is too much on the business finance and you know paying bass, but we we sort of have a blind eye on what's happening personally and we let a lot bleed out. Um, so yeah, there's that having a way to track your your wealth as well, um, and then just functional things like estate planning, um, asset protection, and then having your long term really tax effective. Um, structure, which is your your superannuation, making sure you understand that and can make decisions around that. And then that's like the first two thirds of the book is just all about that stuff. And then we haven't even spoke about investing yet, which is those those last three things. Uh, you know, making wise investment decisions. Uh, you know, leveraging um, other people's money, uh, which is a, a fairly well known concept. So, how does debt work when it comes to investments? And then the last one is all about property and, and seeing how uh, that can make a massive impact. Um, and property is is this thing that's always a constant in our wealthiest clients somehow, <laughs> whether it's development or you know a, a process around consistently buying investment properties. It's uh, it's always there. Yeah. What sort of feedback have you had from about wealth for life? Um, I feel like it, it's given a lot of clarity on on a process, almost like a to-do list. Uh, and, and even at the back of each chapter, I've got checklist items to sort of go and, and tick off. Um, and even like the wills. Oh, thanks for the reminder of the going, yeah, wills done. We haven't got current ones. We've had kids since, you know, maybe in or out of a relationship. There's, you know, things that, that happen that change this sort of stuff. So it's, it's been a nice reminder and a um, 
a bit of a, a kick up the bum for some people to go and get some stuff sorted that they've been meaning to for years. So that's, um, yeah, that's the big one from Wealth for Life is a bit of a momentum creator. <laughs> Absolutely. Then across last year, you got the pen out again. It's all sorted. A business owner's nine-step guide to master your tax and achieve peace of mind. Yes. This is the tax book every business owner must have. <laughs> you don't know what something is, it's in here. Mm, yep. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I was talking to you before, I was sort of a bit shy of releasing this one in a sense where um, some of the concepts I felt were maybe a little bit basic, but um, what I feel as, as well, and, and this is having feedback even from experienced business owners, um, some who have gone full full cycle where they're retired now, uh, I got feedback off, off um someone specifically around, well, hang on, did you think the, especially the earlier chapters were, were valid, uh, where it speaks about, you know, things like what's a BAS, what's an IAS, when a, when a tax payment's due. Um, but the feedback was actually, no, it's great because we, we often forget some of the basic stuffs or, um, you know, you've, you've got some recommendations of how to run things in there, which I, I might know, but haven't implemented as well. So it's a, again, an, another reminder there, um, you know, right through to, um, even awareness of stuff that business owners don't know, maybe when it comes to their structures um, or even uh, tax issues that that have or will affect them. Yeah, no, really, really, really good. I certainly got a couple of reminders and then there was a couple of bits in there. I thought, oh, my gosh, I need mm. to think more about that and help some of our members with, with some of that as well. So I guess mm. everyone learns in different ways and business owners are at different levels of their financial fitness as well. So, you know, I don't think it's smart to make assumptions on what you think people already know as a base, as a base, basic starting point. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And and these books are all available on your website. They are, yep. Um, Hide the link. Thank you. Uh, and what's also exciting is soon to be, it's all sorted, will soon be on Audible. Oh, are you reading it yourself? <laughs> yes. Yep. Damn. Good um, man. So, yes, I, um, I'm pretty excited about that. I think we're about um, a couple of weeks away of that being live. But, uh, yeah. Oh, I can't promise that I'll uh, tune in to every word because I love the books. I, for books like this, for content yeah. like this, I love the book because I'd put stickies all over it. Yes. But but so many people I know when they're walking mm. or driving in particular love Audible for that because they can just do a chapter at a time and act on it. So love it. Yep, yep, I am. Um... I do that in the gym, actually. So I've got usually a, uh, my la- latest one was uh, Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. Uh-huh. Fantastic book. And, uh, and yeah, that's playing in the gym. I've got all these ideas. I've got my Slack open, sending notes to myself. And, oh, my uh, gosh. Who are you? <laughs> who are you? Uh, yeah. I think we should make a segue from It's All Sorted and that tax mm. into you sharing how much tax you've calculated that Inspire Accounting has saved its clients because it's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So we we started tracking in 2015. So that was a, a few years into running the business. Um, but what, from the date we started tracking that, uh, we've saved very close to $30 million in tax across our client base. And it, it gets um, faster as, as our business grows and ages. Obviously, we get more clients and... Um, yeah, we uh, we've almost cracked thirty mil. So that's um, huge. 
and this is this is saving tax in a good way, right? Like legally, pay it. it's important <laughs> that we pay. I think I'm really happy to pay tax because mm. it's important for the infrastructure of the whole social fabric and country. Mm. But I do like paying the right amount of tax. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, we're, we're not doing anything dodgy uh, to, to save that, which is um, definitely makes me sleep at night uh, or helps me sleep at night. And um, and I guess the the difference in that tax saving or, or where we say, well, our advice saved you X amount is based on, let's say, other accountants' advice versus what they're at or even just proactive things they can do. So we, we might have a client for three or four years and then we find a strategy of being able to restructure their business and through the restructure can literally save them. Sometimes it's hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax uh, just by um, just by changing the, the way that they're, they're structured. Um, but then, you know, you can have a, a sole trader come to you paying 47% or more in tax. We restructure them into an appropriate entity. Um, and, you know, through that, that's tens of thousands potentially each year. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. The, the idea of it's too expensive to set up as a company doesn't always wash, does it? No, 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 absolutely. And I feel like, um, sole traders, um, oh, risky business, I say. For sure, yeah. There's so many issues with that. So, um, yeah, uh, companies or trusts or a combination of them is is a big, big thing to um, make sure you get right. Yeah, yeah. We've got a few minutes left. What would you like allied health business owners to be thinking about in terms of their re- working relationship with their accountant, tax, managing their personal wealth, anything mm. else you want to throw in? Yeah, maybe... Um, Maybe the thought process there is some some business owners are expecting stuff from their accountant uh, that their accountant might not, not actually have the skill set for. So so I had the, I was having this conversation last week where um, where a business owner was expecting you know monthly or quarterly meetings to chat about profitability and how we improve that, um, but often uh, a lot of tax accountants aren't actually skilled up on management accounting or sort of CFO style services. Um, it's a completely different channel of learning um, to to have those different. Um, you know, understandings and be able to help clients that way. So uh, maybe that's something to keep in mind. Uh, we, we don't want to ask a, a fish to climb a tree. Um, and, and so the, the solution to that could be find CFO style services separately. Alternatively, go to an accountant who can look after the lot in a sense. Business um, coaches can help there as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and And maybe even with a a much better entrepreneurial mindset too. <laughs> I think that's really important for the accountant, actually. Mm, yep, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, and and a lot of accountants can be sort of looking at cost saving. Uh, you know, how do we cut costs? But but then sometimes we overlook what's the cost of not doing something, uh, and and reframing a, a cost as a an investment. What's our ROI going to be on that? Um, for instance, I was um, yeah another conversation I was having was you know in in a professional services business um, for every dollar of um, salary we pay uh, let's say an accountant we want to be ideally making um, uh, a dollar of profit from that person um, so a sixty k salary sixty k profit ballpark um, uh, but when we're looking at things like coaching and this was the example we used. Um, you know, maybe the payoff is actually more like five times or ten times the investment, um, and so so we, if we roll back to the question of hey, 
do we want to do we want to invest in a, a junior accountant or do we want to invest in a coach that can add way more value to our bottom line um at least in you know to, to a point and then we might need to grow team as part of that so yeah it's, it's a different style of thinking than looking at a profit and loss statement going well what can we rip out of here <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, our training coming up in February, uh, oh, it will make you very happy, Ben, is uh, a checklist that allied health business owners can use and work through when they look at it, their profit and loss. We've got a whole range of supports that help them understand and learn and enjoy and love their numbers. And we're adding this on that mm. just giving some structure to where your eyes go, if you like. Yeah, great. Yep. And I feel like that, that, um, Ability to read and interpret a PL is the skill set of that is underrated. It, it's, um, yeah, I, I hear a lot of business owners feel like, oh, I'm not a numbers person, but we kind of have to be because numbers are the scoreboard of business. Um, so we, we need to be masters of that and, and sort of change our mindset around, well, hang on, let's lean into it, uh, learn about it and, uh, and yeah, master it because you'll be ahead of, you know, 95% of your competition just by understanding that. Couldn't agree more. And the number of times we've heard from our members, oh my gosh, who am I? Like here I am a year later. I really enjoy the numbers. I get what they mean. I get what the patterns are. I get what a trend is. I'm way more confident to use the data to make decisions, um, whether it is, yeah, investing or managing some expenses or growing team or what have you. So the number of people that have kind of backed themselves and got the hang of it and are really enjoying it surprising yeah. it's good it's good it's good <laughs> wonderful is there anything else that you would like to leave listeners thinking about in terms of you and your work and inspire mm, yeah i guess um yeah it's not necessarily inspire related but uh that the one the one conversation I've been having a lot of lately with business owners where their profit margins have eroded across the last few years is um, be aware of what inflation's done to your business uh, and, and make sure you make adjustments as a, as a result. So um, the, the big one we're seeing is the price that we charge our own clients. If that's not increasing in line with the inflation, the effects of inflation in our businesses, what that's going to do is, is you're going to get a pay cut in profit. Um, and, and in, you know, bad instances, you're actually going to be making losses or going backwards if we don't manage our, our price and, and the way that inflation has impacted our businesses, um, which again comes from understanding our P&L, um, and, uh, and being able to make decisions around pricing and, and passing that on to clients because, what what use are we working for nothing um, to, to our clients? We're not actually going to be the help uh, if we're not looking after ourselves um, first. Gosh, your timing is spooky. I had exactly this conversation hmm, an hour ago. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's some frustration in the allied health uh, sector yeah. because some of the prices are set yes. by yeah. the government. Uh, and um, that you know, potentially could it, it could be um, super frustrating, which it is for many, but it could also be impetus for innovation for others. Yeah. So, yep. uh, yeah, lots of ways to uh, to solve a problem, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a bit of a tricky one. But um, but again, if, if, if you're delivering that service for no profit, it's probably better off not doing it. <laughs> um, uh, otherwise, how can we resource and manage that delivery of that service? 
um, if we've got a set price, then then the other one we have to play with is the expense to deliver that service. Yeah, absolutely. So, mm. So good to catch up, Ben. Thank you so, so, so much. I'll have to make sure we get you back on the podcast because good chance the government might be doing a few interesting things across, what are we, start of 24? So, yeah, mm. we'll get you back, I reckon. Yeah, awesome. Too easy. Well, thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.